0: Right, welcome back to another podcast from Nobody Cares About Dad. This week, as ever, joined by my co-host, AD. Hey. Aidy, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, I'm good.
0: You? Yeah, well, well yeah, I'm good. But um, fresh off the back of a PT session that we've just done with our guest this evening, Steve. Steve, Hello. how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, yourself. Well, <laughs> we're all right. Yeah, we, we survived. good morning. <laughs> yeah, <after> tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> a bit sore, lads. Yeah, t- yeah look, Tomorrow, I'm sure we will be sore tomorrow. But uh, yeah, Steve, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, very well,
2: thank you. Um height the summer. Uh England through to the semi-final. So lots going on. Yeah. Uh, everyone's excited. Country seems to be in good spirits. And, you know, out the coming out the back end of a pandemic, so he says. So yeah, all good. All Brilliant.
0: good here. So look, the there's I suppose a little bit of background on the podcast I guess really because we started off originally as being a podcast about dads for dads started off with one-on-one interviews and then it's sort of as it as it's progressed over the sort of couple of months it's moved into more of a chat about mental health wellness self-improvement so we've been looking for people that have an interest in that topic um because look there's lads from all over the world that listen to this podcast or watch more so watch the podcast on youtube and if we can give some some little bits of advice or tips on on anything really then yeah we've done everything that we sort of set out to do so exactly mm.
1: something, something we might say in this will resonate with someone else watching thinking actually mm. i felt like that or i feel like that yeah or, yeah sure or whatever so like michael was saying, it's, it helps one person we've done it yeah. and that's all we set out to do um, but what we found is since we started it's transitioned so much it's made us both look at our own our own life yeah. and what we're going to do going forward mm. because the stories we hear from everyone you are so different and varied, but there's
0: always
2: something in there. You go, I, I like that. Mm. I'm
1: going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why we, mm. we mm. look for, for for just normal guys to
0: come on and just chat about I wouldn't say I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, got, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So, look, Steve, look, go, one of the things we always do on this podcast is go right back to the very start. So, um, what was life like for you growing up? What was your relationship like with your dad or your stepdad? What, what, what was that dynamic like?
2: <laughs> yeah, so... <sighs> You know, I had a. I, I think I had a, a fairly decent upbringing. Um, you know, from from what I can remember, straight into to sport. Uh, we all know, or most of us know, what sport kind of brings to a to a kid. That sort of team ethos, and. You know, that that friendship, brothership, should we say. Certainly back then, before mobile phones and less distractions, it was more, you know, spending time with friends who who you played sport with. Um, Relationship at home was was relatively steady, you know. When I was, uh, obviously didn't know at the time, but sort of clicking into sort of uh, infant school. Uh, My mum and dad split up when I was two, so didn't really have any emotions obviously being two years old you don't really know much but um, once I was growing up obviously got to know my stepdad uh, Mick who has been absolutely incredible to this day Um, I always remember when I got married uh, in
1: 2012
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, his, his speech Um, And this isn't detrimental on my real dad, shall we say Um, He did his, as far as I know, my real dad did his thing I I, I still did see him sort of from the ages of growing up I remember my mum dropping me around his house at the weekends and stuff So he did play his part, I'm not sat here saying he just buggered off, not at all He did play his part up until sort of the age of 15, 16, you know, where you venture off that's you in it the bird flies out the the nest but yeah I always remember 2012 the the speech I did for my stepdad was one of the hardest speeches because the bloke's just incredible in you know the the way he was with my mum it's not I've never been there but when I grew up and sort of stood back and thought it couldn't have been easy stepping in and you know, taking on another child, let's say that's not yours. Yeah. You know, I I I always try and put myself in those people's shoes for like maybe a minute just to try and experience what it would be like. And yeah, it, it's you. I guess you just had to get on with it. Um, but an element of you know, I'm going to help the family out as well. Um, so growing up was it, it, yeah. If I'm sat here saying I had a good upbringing, a very good upbringing, then looks done well right yeah yeah so yeah that that's the, the, the yeah well, that's what i'm saying the speech i was doing at my wedding was one of the hardest speeches because my emotions like i had it written down i had it in bullet points but i went wibble because my emotions just took took over because i couldn't express how much love how much compassion how much respect i'd i'd had for this this bloke who, who was my stepdad and I, you know, and he's always done his work in the background. He's never played lot, like, you know, living under my roof, my rules sort of thing. I just from a young age just grew up and respected him. So, yeah, I had a I had a, I had a good up, I had a good upbringing. That I did through him, one hundred percent, and his
0: support. Yeah, it's
1: pretty much like um, so. For myself, I was uh, brought up by my stepdad, or I call my dad. He was there for me. Um, again, I, I, I'm like you, I feel exactly the same admiration. Mm. That, that's my, my hero, my idol. Mm, mm. Um, when I met my ex, she had a baby already, <clears throat> six weeks old. And uh, I was just leaving the military at the time as well, so my whole life was adjusting. Mm. And I met this girl, and she had a little baby, and I mean, brand new baby. Mm, mm. Um, and I took that on. And it was more of a case of, you sort of give your head a wobble a bit and go, right, okay, I'm responsible now. Mm. Mm. So my life changes, that's it. Mm. And then from then it was full on. Mm. She's now five, six in August. And I've always been there, always been part of the life, mm. always will. Mm. Um, but it's tough, it is tough being that, mm. that stepdad mm. going onto the scene. Mm. You're the family, they've all experienced and had relationships with the, the father, good or bad, but mm. they've been around. Mm. Mm. You're constantly thinking someone else that's somebody else's kid. Like why am I playing with this? Mm. Teething, the the crying all night, mm. thinking it's not my responsibility, mm. but actually it is. And well I see, you know, it
2: goes to show a lot Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively, you know, and um, yeah, the other you mentioned admiration, like when you when you find somebody in your life like that and you're asked to stand up and speak about it in front of 60 people and you can't even get your words out I mean I was a military physical training instructor at the time so I was used to being (laughs) out in front of people and it was the first time ever I'd gone weak at the knees and it was that was the turning point to because I had a moment to myself as well on that evening going you know what that's just that just shows you how much love respect admiration I had for the bloke you know, and, and I always remember as well saying to my mum, you know, when I could sort of uh, do the alphabet was, do I call him dad or do I call him Mick? And it's it's always been, I mean, my mum said you can call him dad if you want, but I just ended up growing up calling him Mick. And it's Mick to me, Mick's Mick. So when people say, oh, who's your dad? I go, Mick, Mick G. And... um, and nobody will know how much that means to me deep down that mm-hmm. I, I can, we translate that together. That's called dad. Yeah. Is the Mick part. Um, so yeah, um, completely understand where you're coming from. It, it, it's not easy, but like you say, you have a decision to make. And when your Mick stepdad has been married to my mum 29 years, and still going strong and still has the same love, respect, compassion than what I did when I, when he first came into my life, that goes a long way. That
0: goes that hell of a long way. That's, way. that's sort of soldier material, yeah. you know? I think we all have that in that, that moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking for other people I have I don't know my dad, so I've not really had that. Mm. But where you said uh, when you got married, that's when you sort of realised that love. And I've interviewed guys that that for them the moment was when they had kids and then they realized how much they loved their kids one of the guys said he said uh, as soon as he had his kid and he really that instant love that you have with that baby mm. he rang his dad and apologized and he was like i am so sorry he said because if mm you loved me like I love my kid. Mm. He said, I'm sorry for everything I've put you through. Mm. So it's, it's, it's just that when you have that moment, it's... It's, uh, it's the eureka moment, isn't it? Yeah. If we all have it at mm.
1: whatever point in our life, and we some of us have more than one. Mm. But yeah, it, it's nice though,
0: isn't it? Steve, did you always want to have ki- uh, kids growing up? Did you always know you were going to be a dad? Do you want the truth? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I... I no, the, I I wasn't set on kids. If I'm honest, um, I I had so much I wanted to do in life. I, I honestly thought the the direction I was going in my life it just had no capacity for kids. Um, certainly, I had a, a number in my head of forty, um, and I was you know I was as a sportsman you know, and I had goals at a young age that I wanted to achieve, so my mind wasn't set on children at all, even sort of mid-twenties was not set on children, but again, you know, who what, who? what it depends who comes into your life, and you know, life takes its turns, takes its different dimensions, and as you grow older, certainly twenties to thirties, you're learning about life, I, I call it, um, so no, I never really uh, had my,
0: my my eye my eyes set on children. Do you do you think it's it makes it more difficult? I mean, you know, you are both Force ex forces guys, but do you think it makes it more difficult being in the forces to consider having a family because of? Uh, I think you were saying earlier you were going to get posted here, or you are going to get posted there. Is that is that in your head where you think I can't? I am not ready. I can't have the kids at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'm not sure if AD was forced. He's been in the, in the RAF. <laughs> you know, the RAF is quite civilian. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, no. I um, yeah, in the forces, it's a strange one. You know, in in the forces, when you when you first join up. It's, um, I believe, um, it's a very, in a single man's life. Mm-hmm. Um, postings here, there, everywhere. Well, certainly in my my time, it was two years, move on, two years, move on. Um, I was quite fortunate to specialise into the physical training branch, which was a little bit more set where you were. So maybe three to four years in a unit, not so much away all the time. Um, but again, it's that life circle. The, the older you get, the more you pick up. Of the you know the encyclopedia of life, um, and then you know once once you find the person and you know kids is mentioned, and if if it's the person you want to be with, I mean the, the military is a different dimension. I've seen and we spoke about it earlier. So many seniors who choose again my own my own opinion choose a different direction uh, to to home life. Um, it's probably safe to say It's not a Well the, the the people I've met It's never been a happy ending Again part of the life circle Of understanding and what direction You want to go um, But certainly when you find the right person uh, And then Children's mentioned and if it's the right person Then I don't see why It should hold you back if you've got Again we talk about the love, respect for that
0: person Then yeah when did when did your fitness journey start? Because obviously I knew you growing up, and you were, you were always fit, but you not to the extent obviously you you, you are at the moment. Obviously you joined the, the the military, and PT was the route you went. But mm. was that always a conscious thought in your mind that you was always you wanted to join the military to be a PT, or um, where did that start? <clears throat> well, I first found my love for fitness when I was born. I think I think I popped
2: out and started running down through the hospital. I'm not. <laughs> Um, no, my mum was um, a huge runner, um, and her dad, who was in the Navy, was a huge runner. So I think that sort of endurance junkie uh, mentality just ran through her side of the family and leaked into me. So as, as far as I am as aware, as soon as I could sort of walk, I was running, jumping, just that kid who just would not sit down so much energy similar to my youngest now I see traits in him like I, like my mum used to say with me when I was his age but um, yeah fitness has always been in the blood and, and I think it's one of those things in my life if fitness wasn't in my life I think I'd be lost I really do I don't know maybe I'd maybe I'd read more books maybe I'd do gardening I don't know but I find it I sit here now and I look at my 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 career of fitness. I struggle to. It's like my um, my release as well, um, and ch- and channeling energy as well. But no, love love for fitness has always been in my blood. Um, did I want to be a, a PTI in the military when I was growing up? Never thought of it. Um, again, I always go back to life. Sometimes just takes its ways and you end up going down these pathways you never planned I mean once I'd finished school um, I'd moved to Lincoln on a YTS did don't know if you knew that uh, so I'd, I'd gone to Lincoln City I was at Derby County as a schoolboy so I was leaving on a Tuesday and a Thursday from what I can remember mum taking me across to Derby to train every night for, for three years uh, only to be told um we're not going to take you on. Thanks thanks ever so much, though, for the three years. Um, but back in those days, those clubs... I mean, Derby were a premiership club at the time, so it was their duty to send my CV out, because I'm still a kid as well. Send the CV out locally. Uh, Lincoln City picked it up. They signed me on a YTS, so I spent uh, best part of two to two and a half years at Lincoln City when I left school uh, on a youth training scholarship, um, which was great experience. But I just felt it wasn't going anywhere. Um, the club had gone into liquidisation, it was losing a lot of players and I was just going up into the reserve team at the, at the time and the, the guys who came in were talk, talking of getting rid of the reserve team, which my name was under there, but it didn't matter how good you were, they needed to make money quick and fast. It was about the football club. It wasn't about Steve Young. So I moved on and I actually, um, took a six month payout and used the money to go and travel Australia. So I yeah buggered off to Australia for and that was that was the turning point of my life. That is when I a needed to understand that you needed to work for a living. B I needed to be more independent and C it was my new pathway of life. So um, I'd gone to Australia for, for a whole year and the raw Marines were out there. They were on Circular key doing some demonstrations, rock climbing, and this is what you can be, and they were all they from England. So I got chatting to them, and there was a footballer who played for the Navy Marines, and he was like, mate, if you played football, you'd, you'd fly everywhere. You'd just play for the football team. He goes, I'm flying back to the UK for about six weeks to play three games. And I thought, that's bonkers, that is. <laughs> Absolute bonkers. And he says, oh, do you play football? And I told him my background, and he went, mate, you'd get into the team. You'd get straight into the team if you're saying that's what you used to do, and that's that's when the seed was planted. Um, so yeah, I actually applied for the military when I was in Australia. This was just when Google started coming in, <laughs> and it was the dial-up tone. So I'd applied, <laughs> I'd applied. Through, the, through online in one of these internet cafes at 25 cents to keep putting it in it was, it was make or break I was like well if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't because um, I've always been I'd like to think I was open minded and always open to opportunity and um, yeah three weeks later there was a letter that came through the door from the Ministry of Defence my mum phoned me up it was I think it was 8 o'clock at night there 3 in the morning in Australia the following day and she went uh, Stephen I've got a a letter from the Ministry of Defence what
1: have you done (laughs) yeah
2: shall I open it I'm like uh, yeah that'll be the Navy Marines I think I applied a few weeks ago but I forgot about it I've just been getting drunk (laughs) and uh, I'm actually on Bondi Beach (laughs) and yeah it was uh, it was a calling notice to go down and jump on the train and muster outside Limston Um, I think I had sort of six weeks to get my SHIT together um, which meant credit card out, plane ticket home. Um, and yeah, I got I eventually got home, found myself on a train. 24 hours later, found myself with a shaved head, getting beasted in forests and mud and all sorts. And anybody who joined or anybody who's done military life will tell you the moment you set foot into military life, it, it just flashes you. Your basic training is just like a whirlwind. You don't get enough thinking time to whether you've made the right decision or not. There's just not enough thinking time. And obviously growing up in sport and being in that brotherhood and that friendship and just love being around the the boys and stuff and working together, it it suited me down to a T -t 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 at the time. So I'd never really thought about being a PTI until I'd done my... Uh, fitness test because you arrive at the gates and the PTIs drag you off the bus and you're straight into your fitness test and I think I recorded a result that had basically, and I'm not willy waving, it's the truth, it had beaten all the, the PTI staff, we had to do a 2.4k run and I think I'd beaten all their PTI staff and the PTI uh, called me over and he went, there's a future for you in the physical training branch, we can just see it and the moment he said that that kind of stuck in my head Um, so no I never really thought about being a PTI until that day really but that was the lead up to to me being a a physical training
1: did you beast every session because they had said that to you was that your okay we've got PT we're going to smash this yeah
2: I guess the seed was planted wasn't it so I almost felt I had a duty or responsibility to make sure that I gave 100% in front of the PTI staff because if they they saw potential in me um, and I didn't even know them it was just because what they had said, um then I almost felt it responsibility that I kind of lead from the front in the not not a not a selfish or a brunt way, but sort of taking the lead on on things you know making sure the lads were like you know ready to go and if I can help them out with, I don't know, ironing kit in the evening and stuff. If we've got PT the next day, just a sense of responsibility, I guess. And those little traits I picked up when I was in Australia because I had to clean myself, think for myself, go to banks for myself, cook for myself, find a bed for myself. Do you know what I mean? So, and yeah, I, yeah, I ended up being kind of one of the leaders, shall we say, through basic training, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And then obviously went on to do physical training instructors course where I was the course president. So I was the eyes and the ears of the number one instructor. So that was quite a a tasking job, if I'm honest. And,
0: and how long were you in for in total then?
1: 17. 17 years? Yeah. Wow.
2: That was PT? No, f- no, 14 years PTI,
0: three years as a, as a soldier. Wow. Best and worst thing about... Those years in the military, what would you say? Best things was um
2: seeing the different countries. So obviously going on tour and um we did um we did an exercise down south, um supposed to be working with the the RAF down in the Falklands and we were all like, Falklands? Where's that? <laughs> yeah. And um, it was called the APT South Trip, so it meant that we had to jump on uh, HMS Ocean. Is that where you attack the island?
1: Do you attack
2: it? It was that, yeah. <laughs> and attacked by sea. Attacked by boat. And boat. Um, but the, we, we soon discovered, like the APT South Trip had countries like Chile, Brazil, the Ascension Islands, um, oh, what was the other one? Portugal. We were like, Whoa
1: Happy days. <laughs>
2: when do we go?" And one of the engines broke, so we ended up staying in Rio de Janeiro for like six weeks. It was mental, absolutely mental. The
1: engine broke, i.e. Wrote
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, they were my best moments was seeing the world and seeing how other cultures operate as well, because yeah. you were allowed the time. You know, you put the time in on the work and you were allowed the time to sort of down tools and go and experience places. I know I'd done a bit in Australia, Bali, New (coughs) Zealand before, but um, yeah, but you were doing it with your brothers. You know, some of these guys you'd gone through basic training, some of these guys you'd gone to war with, you know, so you were doing it with brotherhood and and that means a lot to me. Um, Worst... Worst things I've done in the military. Um, it's probably, it's, I think it was there was there wasn't a worst, unless it was a, a crap course you had to go and do and you knew it was crap. And can I say crap? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And And um, and you just thought, oh, is this going to be a week slog or a two week slog? You know, I remember doing a, a it was a, a passport course. It was a computer course where all. PTIs needed to be computer literate and we were sat in it was a computer course for two weeks. It was horrible. It meant two weeks away from home. They they're the only real sort of worst times. Because all the all the others, you you are you, together. It's the togetherness, the brotherhood, you know, Iraq, Afghan, you're together. So it was almost like it didn't really exist because it was just you were your mates, you know, that pulled you through um the the hard times but yeah the, the worst times were the computer courses <laughs> but I guess when I had kids uh that was the turning point yeah. that's when the the worst times or the nuts of great times in the military were, were real really not yeah. the good times because I didn't want to be away from the kids yeah. I didn't want to be away from the wife and yeah so when you had to go and do those things you did as a as a youngster in the military all of a sudden it wasn't fashionable anymore yeah it, it, you know oh three weeks in Rio I've done it I don't need to go back down there I really don't my place and duty
0: is with kids and my wife yeah. now we'll come on to the kids in a second but I've genuinely a, a genuine question here for someone who's not in, been in the military is there a difference between the the fitness? So you you'll know this because you've been in there between the forces, so the RAF, the army, the navy. Is there a difference in the level or um, genuine question? That's a genuine like question. Yeah, there know. is, yeah, there is
2: there, there is a difference. I mean, the, fit, the the fitness test on a whole in whatever military is a testament to yourself. Forget what level you need to get to. I what I was always taught in the military: you run till your heart is in your mouth, or you run till your lungs can't take anymore, or sorry, you run till your lungs bleed. But that was our mythology as physical training instructors, that was drilled into us. So it is different. I've worked, I've done some f- uh, reservist work with the RAF. Um, I've done some work with the Navy at Northwood PGHQ, which was Tri-Services. I actually worked there on the staff, so I have seen what fitness tests... Odd. The Navy and RAF are very similar And it's the Army, Marines That's well. It's You've got to have a, a certain level of fitness Certainly as a, uh, a, a Yeah and It's all done by
1: There's a basic level Basic fitness test Which again is different for Yeah exactly
0: I for mean But why is it And again, genuine question Because I've got no friends I've got friends in the military Army mostly you, you do this test to get in basic training, you've got to be mega fit. But some of these guys are 10, 15 years in and then they're in worse shape than me and still in the military. Yeah, I, they, I look at them and I think, how yeah, is you, that possible? Do you know what? It was um, the
2: turning point that once upon a time ago, if you wanted to join the military, the <sighs> feedback was either from mum or dad "Oh, you've got to be mega fit to be in the military. Doesn't matter, RAF, Army, Navy, whoever. Society's changed. Right, and I've worked in a school as well, leaving leaving the military, and I've seen what parents' reactions are like when kids want to join the military, and the because society's changed, the language changed as well. So it's not anymore. Oh, you need to be mega fit. I always remember, say, I always remember Mick, my, my stepdad saying, "You got to be," and I was fit. He goes, "You got to be double fit when you go down there." like ridiculously fit to be in the military and that was the mindset back then you know I joined up just after the millennium so god forbid what it was like in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s you know very robust people society's changed and the language now spoken is oh you only have to get level nine you only have to get so the incentive There's not really an incentive it's like the seeds planted to just oh i've only got to get level nine not any further so in my latter stages as a pti the language had changed policy had come in protocol had come in you know i'm from an area where it was right line up on the blue line you're doing a bleed test nobody fails if you fail we're going to dunk your head in sand and you're going to get beasted every single night until you pass your fitness test those days have gone policy came in all of a sudden it became about paperwork Yeah, health and safety, um, and and that changed the mindsets of people. You know,
1: biggest bit when the health and safety yeah came, it changed everything. Every aspect of military life yeah Yeah. changed. used to be a really good laugh. You could go and do some stupid stuff because it was fun. Mm. As Soon as health and safety kicked in, no, you can't do that because of policy, Mm. paperwork. Mm. This hasn't been signed off. Even with trips, even with trips, I was lucky when I was in. I was lucky to represent Combined Service. I did um, martial arts and football, mm. rugby. Mm. I got to go everywhere. Mm. But then it changed. Health and mm. safety, you couldn't go on that trip. No. I wasn't signed off or mm. the health and safety aspect wasn't it. And you're thinking, well, I did it two years ago. I went to exactly yeah the same tournament. Oh, yeah, but we, we haven't got it squared away this year. You're like, brilliant, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, you get it. Same with the fitness test. I had a friend who was, he was mega fit. And I remember through one of the fitness tests, he... I always used to flake out about level 14. Like, that mm. was me. Mm. He, he would go, keep going, level 15, level 16. Mm. And he would keep going. And then you're thinking, well, you're, you're incredible. There's nothing on him. Mm. <clears throat> and then when it came in, the whole, well, to pass, you only have to get to level 9.7 mm. or something like mm. that. But then if you want to go to the next colour, because it was in colour stages, wasn't it? Mm. And then you don't have to do your fitness test for six months or a year if you get to that level, he would drop out of the first one. He'd be like, what's the point? Mm. I'm current. You're thinking, yeah, but you're smashing like double that. Mm. But like you said, you get to that point, the language yeah. changed, you only have to get to that. And even, to be fair, even some of the, it's probably the difference between the, the RAF and the Marines, <laughs> the PTI is there. Like, there, you're done, you're good. And that was it, paperwork, tick box, mm. Mm. Next. Massive change.
2: Yeah, the, <laughs> It, it was another. It was another factor to why I did leave the military. This was just another little string to the bow. Was the whole fitness test just completely changed? We sort spoke about policy came in. Um, then it was like you're allowed ten percent either side if you don't fail your if you fail your bleep test, or you know if you fail it, we'll just do another retake in a couple of days. There was no warning. There was no right, mate. You failed your fitness test. You're not fit enough to deploy. But these guys who were failing fitness tests because they couldn't be bothered, because society's changed, language changed, the world's changing. These guys were getting the same were getting the same pay as a mega fit soldier who was being sent to Iraq, but the unfit soldier who couldn't be bothered got to stay at home and was on the same wage packet. So, so we start. It, it didn't add up. It didn't. No. And I and I know there's there's. I know there's the, the kings in, in the, the forces who sit at the very top who make these decisions and I'm sure there's an underlining decision made somewhere at Parliament to it all, but it didn't it didn't make sense. And I know it got hit in the raft quite a lot because their policy went through the roof. I remember it coming into Northwood, the, the brief you had to read out. Once upon a time ago, you could get 20 soldiers for a bleep test in 20 minutes. All of a sudden, it went to an hour to get 10 people through because you had... The counselling side after, if you'd failed a fitness test, you had the briefs to go through the failure policy because they brought in war They did. They did actually bring in warnings where if you had, if you failed your fitness test, you had three months to pass it. Three months. Three months. It was a joke.
1: You got one like extra. You could go and do extra fizz while work. Yeah,
2: in the working day. Wow. You go. I, I can't
1: do that to do exercise
2: yeah I've got to go and do my fitness yeah. test yeah. and if you fail at the three month mark you get until six months so you get another three months and then another three months so you're on a nine month if you got to nine months right mate you haven't pass your fitness test in nine months you'd go to a med board and if the med board went, you fit then you'd go back to this, the commanding officer now you should be going under the command, commanding officer's nose and then he he would either go right. You're a good egg. Don't know why you're failing. I'm gonna I'm gonna extend you, or you should be getting kicked out. But it was either always an extension. Or is is one thing. And you'll laugh at this. They get a chip. They're coming. Oh, I've pulled my calf. Go see the doctor. Get a chit for two three weeks, and it was just a paper trail. paper. come and go. So if a PTI came in and was monitoring these people, yeah, he'd hand over. But the new bloke who comes in I don't know whose cat that is by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the new PTI comes in, they they get lost in the, the trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get lost and then and then it became computerised. And then civvy started coming in doing computer and they didn't understand about the fitness test. It just it got out fitness testing got out of hand. Yeah. So the answer to your question, I know we diluted a lot there, yes, the bloke there are there are men and there's a lot of men and women in today's um, military who are completely out of shape to, yeah. to the average civilian and and do you know why because the military is not a military now it's a civilian it's, it's an organisation yeah that's catching up civvy street once upon a time ago the military were way ahead yeah okay and I'm probably speaking on behalf of a thousand blokes who are still in okay and they're just waiting for their pension now like teachers who yeah. get to their 60s they're just waiting for the pension so Civ- the civ- civilian civvy street since I've come out is way ahead. You look at the gyms in civvy street; they are pucker. You know, you can you can they're so they just look sleek. Yeah. A lot of them look look amazing now. You look at the military gyms; still still ha- haggard, and that just shows you the difference. Because once upon a time ago, military gyms were well up there. Yeah, we had the the best kit. The, the kit first. Um. So so. so civilians Ci street is overtaken the military is not a military it's a it's an organization where it's got personnel who are willing to go into combat if 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 required and if are fit enough other other than
0: that it's an organization yeah it's an organization you <coughs> see to me someone who's again a civy, I'll just call myself a civvy. Um, and I get the society, societal talk about how life has changed, but for me, looking at the military, I would still expect them to be. You, get it? you They're the elite, right? Yeah, but
1: like to your point about you see some of these guys in that are huge, yeah. like bigger than bigger than me, hanging out no, bigger than me over their belt. Mm, yeah. From my experience from seeing people in, they were normally higher ranking. Mm. They were normally like. At the time, they were either sergeants or the flight sergeants. They were bigger, and it became a more of a paperwork exercise
0: or paperwork job that they were doing. But do But you know what? It's not. It's not even in the military because the police are the same. Some of the police officers mm. couldn't chase you down the street mm. for five minutes. No,
1: exactly. And I think again, it's.
2: Well, this 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 is what I'm saying. That, that this is why I'm saying the military. Yes, it's still a military on paper, but it's lost its shine. Yeah. So, for, I'll give you an example. When you used to do, when I used to do my fitness test, it was um, a painting of myself. So, does he just bottle it on his required level? Does he, or does he go a little bit further? Has he got his PT kit ironed? Is he there on time? Is he, is he gone, Has he gone above and beyond his level? God, he's still going. He's showing some resilience here. He's showing a good attitude here and trust me i've taken thousands of people for fitness tests thousands you know god he, he, he is he is showing some fight this would all be recorded on your report so it, it was it was you demonstrating forget the level you needed to get at it was you demonstrating what you're made of yeah what are you made of mate let's see what you're made of that's what it used to be like so nobody 60 blokes got off the train when i went to basic training 60 blokes passed absolutely obliterated the fitness test bearing in mind we had to get changed down in the bottom field okay in the rain out of a suit because we all rocked up in suits into PT kit freezing cold 60 of us ran an athletics track alright 2.4k run yeah nobody fails and I always remember him Um, Maxwell was his name he went, see that white thing up there, lads, and we were like, Urgh. yeah, you go see them four black things. They're called wheels, aren't they? Do you know what that thing's called up there? <laughs> yes, staff. What is it? A bus. Yeah. You've got ten minutes, all right, to pass this fitness test. And if you ain't, you're getting back on that bus. And I'm going to tell the bus driver to take you back <laughs> to the train station. You can go and explain to your mum and dad why you've gone home. Sixty of us passed. <laughs> right. 15 years later, I was in the same, I was at the PT school and I posed the same thing, right? I don't know the numbers because I I, I never ended up taking the fitness test, but 30% failed. 30% failed.
0: Yeah, 30%. So, and and is it that hard? Like, again, I don't know what day one fitness is, but is it that difficult? No. Not if you. If, you, should
1: have, you should have trained and prepped before you go. Exactly.
0: It, it, see, there's your old school,
2: trained and yeah. prepped. They don't do that now. So Some of them do. Yeah. If they if they were born into the military, they've got a head start. You know, if their mum and dad were in the military. Yeah. If one of my sons said he was going to join the Marines, Navy, RAF, or whatever, I'll be giving them a heads up, and I'll be going right. Start training then. I'm from the old school way. You know. Pitch paints a thousand words, show them what you're made of. Yeah. Don't just bottle it on level nine ten like the rest of them will. You keep going. Yeah. You keep going. Even if the PTI staff tells you to stop, just keep going. And if he stops the recording, go, oh, staff, why did you stop? I had more in the tank. Sod him. Show him, show him who's boss. It's gone. It's yeah. gone. It's gone. There is, there is boys and girls out there who would love to keep running, but even in, um, here's one for you. Even the PTIs today, because they've grown up in this new world I think in Civvy Street you call it PlayStation generation I don't know what to call it in the military but it's a new world it's a new breed of PTIs they've not been through that that robustness of yeah. run till your hearts bleed pink and fluffy yeah <laughs> yeah and, and that's that's for PTIs as well wow you know I'm um, I mean, some of the stories I could tell you that I'd gone through on PTI course you'd get arrested my instructor <laughs>
0: but it taught me a lot it taught me a lot you we, know <clears throat> you see it these days on it, it look at football because a lot of footballers will tell you that so but do you remember Bentley wasn't it? Do you remember Bentley who played for Tottenham yeah. David David Bentley he quit football and I, I watched him on a podcast a couple of years back and he moved abroad didn't he, he did Jake, Marbella I think he is but he said that he just fell out of love with it he said because it changed it went from you know what it was like in the changing room when we were like 15, 16 and <coughs> You were abused on mm-hmm. you really, not massively. massively. You were, and that all changed where the banter stopped, and you couldn't say things to people. Mm. So he ended up falling out of love with it, and mm. it, he said it just completely changed his whole view on football. Mm. I think
1: just football as society that's massive. Mm. You, you know, it's, it's called
0: character building. Character, it's yeah, exactly, yeah. Bullying or banter, like, especially
1: yeah. in the military. I remember the instructors. I used to get a lot because yeah. I'm sure we've gone there. And um, I used to get a lot of, <laughs> of shit, mm. but. Mm. Yeah. I just took it on my chin I was mm. like
2: okay
0: cool but Fine. it made you made you who you yeah. are today but it pushed me mm. that was the thing yeah it's, yeah exactly He was calling
1: me out for me fat yeah I'm ginger fat the best way used to say <laughs> I'll show like, you I am fat and mm. I was like why you fuck yeah. and I would keep going I'm mm. similar I would keep going yeah. to the point he goes alright fair
0: enough yeah so, mm. but it's mm. like look at the, the football example you only have to look at so recently you've had cases of Peter Beardsley being done for bullying mm. you've got um, Craig Bellamy you know as much of an idiot Craig Bellamy was being done for bullying but you can imagine what he was doing it was probably just how he grew up in football what he'd seen, seen uh, exactly. oh yeah. yeah, and experience, and trying to give that back to what they were what didn't they you, had what, it, didn't
1: hmm. you spoke on a, one, of the, one of the podcasts you about when you were going through
0: you had a coach you sort of yeah, yeah like, Peterborough. Yeah, now, you yeah. No, so we made the point. I was when, when we were driving to Peterborough, uh, and we had the coach, and so everyone had a nickname, right? With a couple of us from Devon, so one was called Custard, one of them was called Pasty. Um, we all of these were like weird nicknames. <laughs> Mine was B Bobaluba, right? <laughs> and obviously, at the point, you just go. What, what? But then I was driving to the stadium, and I was like. This is like, bear in mind, 20 years later, I was like, is that racist? <laughs> 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 is that a little bit racist? be up looper <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, but obviously back then, it's like, yeah, you could get yeah, away with that, but yeah. now you'd be strung up.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you
0: That's, gotta be. Eyes
1: everywhere, and the thing is, everyone's got an opinion. Mm. Mm. And if it seemed to go against the the, the grain, mm. the norm, mm. let's say the
0: norm, and do you know what, don't control. don't get me wrong, people can be bullies, right? They can, mm. and some of the things that they weren't calling me that to be racist. It was just, you know, it was just a name, right? so people can but people can be it it, it depends where it comes from right so it's it's, you've got to you've got to understand the place it's coming from Mm -hmm. and the context behind it everything that you say isn't racist isn't bullying it's just that you need to understand where it is But, but but now everything you say is bullying or it is racist I've always not struggled but I've been baffled with what's what's the
2: difference between bullying and wanting the best out of someone yeah I can't put my finger on it because if you if you have passion and desire for somebody to do well you'd walk through fire for them it didn't matter what you said or what you did you know some of the stuff i say to my two boys is probably classified as bullying but it's not it's because i want them to do well
1: it's motivation as well isn't it some people stick with that some people it's a on difficult one some people get on there. Like today we did the, you know your boot camp thing mm. and uh you know i heard you on that and you, you were given it was banter but you were given it and it motivates you you're thinking oh, fuck you right, yeah go yeah. Like, oh, come on. no quicker and you're like, oh, I haven't got it Oh God, dry you your say, eyes princess but
0: people have so people and this is more to the management point of that and the, you as a pt people have lost mm. the skill to so i have this when i i grew up you know in, in my professional life running sales teams and you have to understand who you can say that to and who you can't say that to And people have lost that skill because you can't say anything to anyone anymore mm. but like you in that pt so there'd be some people you could say Really push them, and they, that you know that you'll get a response from them, or others. You can really push them, and you know that it will probably cripple them. It's, yes, yeah, it's so that's that. experience. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's understanding
2: your audience. Mm. That's that's identifying. Yeah, strong points, weak points of that individual. Hundred percent. You know, and when you've got when you've got experience, you don't have to necessarily know that person. You can pick it up by body language. Yeah. You know, so in that in that that you can't. You can't get that at university. You can't get that at a college. You have to have lived your life. Certainly in your trade. Yeah. It's, It's a trade. What I do is a trade, and I've been in the trade a long time. So, but yeah, you need to understand that individual,
0: you know, and when you've got the experience, you can do it quickly. Yeah. Steve, uh, just coming on to because we I'm, I'm conscious of time here, but just coming on to the point with the kids. So one of the things we oh, always over <laughs> <we're> here. Um, <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> um, one of the things we always ask dads is do you remember where you were and what the moment was when you found out for the first time you were gonna be a dad? God, good job, Connie's
2: not in here, isn't it? <laughs> um yeah, so where was we? We were in our house before Two houses before this Yeah I do remember the moment Um I walked upstairs And Connie was in the bathroom And her eyes were watery And I I thought I was like bugger was like, Yeah Something's come out Something's come out from Rio <laughs> nah, That was good, that was good. <laughs> And um yeah she said she was pregnant and um yeah I was it was mixed emotions it was, was surprised but happy at the same time and then like like everything just came to my head massively like another me boy girl is the first thing in it yeah you know but as the as time went on and baby started getting bigger inside and what have you it became you're right there, mate? Yeah, sorry, And mate. it became more of a happy place And do you know what? Because I, it was a happy place it, That told me I was ready Yeah I was ready And I think I was Got to get this right 30 30, yeah Because I always remember saying to my parents I've done well I didn't want kids And I managed to get to 30 I'm happy <laughs> were, you, were you trying at that point or not? Um yeah, I think it wasn't so much, let's try. It was just, let's just go with it. Yeah. Let's just go with it. She stopped taking the pill and we just went with it. And I think it was a solid sort of three, four months after as well. Um, yeah, we just
0: went, just just natural. Yeah. Just naturally went for it. And then any complications through the birth? Or no, the birth no, Ruben,
2: no, our first, no, absolutely none. I mean, to be honest with you, I think, yeah, Connie was in labour for quite a while. Um, at least two days wow yeah it was painful for you well <laughs> this is it when you talk pregnancy from a bloke's perspective you've got to be careful what you say because yeah. I've seen some sights. now yeah. I've in my career I have seen I've seen war that was an, an, a, <laughs> that was a new scale of war like I've yeah. and you can only have so much again talk about emotions and like, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. It was scary. It was emotional. Um, but no, no complications. But then, uh, little Dougie popped out. It was the second one. He was out within two
0: hours. Wow! I went. You're on my wavelength, mate. Me and you're going to go a long way. Were you one of these mental parents that sort of wait to find out what they're having, or did you find out?
2: Yeah, I wasn't allowed. To, we weren't allowed. To, Connie didn't want to know she wanted to just find out yeah yeah on the day day. yeah because me being quite organised and a little bit of OCD I wanted to know whether to go pink or blue yeah and it was killing me (laughs) absolutely killing me it was like putting the salt and pepper pot upside down in the cupboard for 20 weeks it was horrible
0: (laughs) (laughs) not allowed to touch him Oh no, yeah, oh, I don't, I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it. I'm like you, like colours. Like I needed to know. I yeah, need, yeah, I needed to
1: know. It, it,
2: yeah, it was. I was never, like I said to you at the start of the interview, I was never set on children. But it's amazing when they arrive, how much you just change. Yeah, like all of a sudden, it's not about you anymore. Yeah, you're like in the background. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, and when I heard blokes and mates talking about that, I'll be like all this baby nonsense is sending all cuckoo. What's the matter with him? Trying to be the big old man yeah, that I once yeah. was. Um, yeah, it, it's got to happen to you to realise. 100%. You don't know you've got
1: it in you either. Like that, that mentality, that no, process. No, massively. Like, oh, wow, hang on. I'm going to have a... I'm responsible for this little burden now. Right, that's it. Then as a as a dad, dad of bear comes out and I'm like, right, that's it. I'm protecting you from the world. Yeah. And it is crazy. I still do now. My boy's 4 and if we're out and about, I'll be walking very closely behind him. But sometimes I do walk behind him because mm. he's a, he's a
2: hundred miles an hour. From yeah. Oh, massively. I'm. I'm. Do you know what? I'm. I'm really happy. I had two boys because I always said if we had a girl, I'd be a right pushover. Mm. i would be more of a the, the the daddy bear. Um. So I'm kind of like I'm I I I'm a little bit more harder on the boys.
0: <laughs> yeah. And are you are you done or is is no, there done more? No, one hundred percent done. Okay. Should we ask Connie that or is there nah. nah. <laughs> Connie,
2: Connie, Connie was set on having four kids. Like, but since having Dougie, Dougie's like having three. Just <laughs> so like energetic. So it doesn't matter. You could you could take him to on towers for the day, stick him in a swimming pool for five hours, put him on a running track for ten hours, and he'd still be wide as awake. It takes takes a lot. Yeah, the second one, second one was enough. And do you know what? They're seven and five now, and we're creeping up to forty years old, and we're kind of getting a bit of our lives back now. Yeah, you know, so it's quite nice as well. And we want to in, we want to embrace what we've got. We've got two young, fit, healthy children, so we want to embrace that now. You know, so that's all
1: that matters, isn't it? You don't need to I'm very that grateful for
2: what I've got. Exactly I'm very grateful what you've got Yeah massively You know And it's great Those people who go on And have more and more And more and more And more Brilliant But no for us And uh, no, we're very grateful For what we've got now With the two kids And uh, two boys
0: And names Did you have much Of a say in that? Um, this uh oh, It's going to
2: make you laugh This is So Ruben Connie was set on Ruben I was set on Rocco <laughs> I got a telling off from my mum don't ever call my grandson Rocco so I managed to squeeze it in on, on the middle name um, so no I didn't have I didn't have anything to do but I kind of had a bit of leeway on the second one um, Neymar came into it <laughs> now Connie didn't know who Neymar was at the time and she thought oh, I like that Neymar but then after a few weeks of speaking to people she collared me in and she went so Neymar then is it Neymar Neymar Junior <laughs> and I was like do you not like it now she went no no I'm not naming my my child after a football player who's from Brazil
0: <laughs> so yeah. yeah I nearly had it nearly had Neymar down on that. the birth
2: certificate but no <laughs> that was um, a class to be fair no Connie had uh, she chose
0: both names for both children so yeah and look, wrapping up, um, Steve, one of the things we always ask everybody is hopes for the future. What are, what are the hopes for the future? Family, career? Like... Happy ending, really. Um,
2: show lots more gratitude to, to life. A lot more gratitude. Gratitude's a key fundamental. I'm reading a lot, a lot of books at the minute. Gratitude is very powerful. Very powerful tool to use to have a nice happy ending to life. And just make sure everyone's happy and healthy. That is that is my number one goal now. Is to make sure certainly my kids and my family and my friends have a happier life. You know, um, since leaving the military, and my mindset's changed massively to embrace life more, be thankful for what you've got, and and, and be happy. So yeah. yeah,
0: and England win the uh, Euros. <laughs> <laughs> Not too sure about you, Marco, mate, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, like I said this the other day, actually, I think if Italy get to the final and it's England, I've got a dilemma, a real dilemma. Just sit in a room, shirt. mate, a very dark room. We have two shirts, yeah, I'll wear the Italy shirt on top and then the English shirt at the bottom. <laughs> if they It's, like it's <laughs> coming off. <laughs> 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 it's coming off. <home>. Okay. <laughs> prepared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah prepared. exactly. yeah, exactly. Well, look, Steve, listen, mate, I uh, really appreciate you putting us through our paces. Earlier on today, that video will be out soon, and yeah, really great talking to you. And uh yeah, the time. Thank you. that's all right. Thank you very much for your time. Hope no, I didn't waffle on too much. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, <good>. So, <laughs> sometimes the truth hurts. <laughs> cool. Cheers, boys.